Welcome to the Self Talk Radio Show. Mind Changing Radio. Welcome to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My guest, if you struggle with procrastination, this is the show for you. Eric M. Twiggs is an expert in overcoming procrastination and the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. He's conducted over 28,000 coaching sessions with executives and entrepreneurs, and this book definitely has wisdom for the procrastinator in you. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, Sarah. Thank you for having me. So what made you want to write The Discipline of Now? Well, I just see procrastination as a huge stumbling block. So I've, like you said in the intro, I've done over 28,000 coaching sessions, and I've noticed you can have two types of entrepreneurs. You can have the entrepreneur that gets good results and the one that gets great results. And in most cases, they have similar know-how. But the difference between good and great is that the great one can get herself or himself to do what they need to do, whether they feel like it or not. That's (laughs) how important overcoming procrastination is. It can be literally the difference between good and great. Yeah, and and you mentioned something, whether they feel like it or not. Sometimes you get so overwhelmed that you don't even want to do something that you used to love doing months ago. What's, right. what's up with that? What, why do we do that to ourselves? Well, I think it's, it's very easy to let your feelings take over. And we, we make most decisions based off of our emotions. And if we're not aware that, in the book, I spent a lot of time talking about awareness and how important that is. And once you really heighten your awareness as it relates to things that trigger you to procrastinate, you can get past those feelings and do what you need to do. Yeah, interesting. It's not about doing the work. It's it's the the hesitation and the, the monkey mind that you do to yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I know I catch myself doing that. Now, you are a self-professed procrastinator. How many times when you were writing The Discipline of Now did you catch yourself procrastinating writing this book? Well, Sarah, all you need to know is this. It took me six years to write a book about overcoming procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That makes me feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) So, so when did you ever feel that, you know, it's, it's not complete or, or did you ever feel like, well, gee, I'm struggling with procrastination. How can I write a book about procrastination? Did that ever happen to you? Not really. I think my biggest struggle, and I think this is one of the leading causes of procrastination, is perfectionism. I'm your typical type A personality. I'm really, I I like things to be a certain way. And so I I wanted things to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, instead of just moving forward, I would stop. And, And so the lesson for the listener here is that you can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. That's very important. Yeah. So when it took you six years for writing The Discipline of Now, and you felt that this book is everything that I needed to say, were there some moments in that book that you really felt like, oh, this is, this is the stuff, this is really helpful to me and helpful to others that will be picking up this book. Was there, was there a chapter or a place that you loved writing about that you felt was a real breakthrough for yourself? Yes, yes, great question. I would say when I started getting into the different personality types, 
Oh, I love that. That's on your blog. Yes. Yes. That's really when things started getting clear for me. And I started really studying personality types, and I'd be working with entrepreneurs, helping them to understand their personality, and I started noticing these patterns. It really gave me a lot of clarity as to times my tendencies when it comes to procrastination, and it really helped me to help other people. Yeah. I love that. And, and let's break it down because I, I've got them in front of me because I think this is a really important part of, of this whole thing. So right. the personality breakdown, Driver Dan, who's that? So that's your typical type A personality. I could have said Driver Eric as well because that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your, your, your type A personality. They're driven, just can be very confrontational. They're interested in the bottom line results, and they're focused on their bigger picture. So the challenge with some of the drivers is we don't like to always delegate because we think, oh, well, nobody's going to do it like Eric. So I might as well just, no one can really meet my standard, so I'm just going to do it myself. And you end up getting bogged down, and you get distracted. And the driver personality will also procrastinate on some of the tasks that are necessary, but that he doesn't really line up with the bigger picture. It could be doing expense reports. It could be, you know, updating your mileage reimbursements. It could be just as simple as doing household chores. So it's just something to kind of be aware of and to put systems in place so that those things still get done. You know, it's funny you, you talk about that because I used to put a Post-it note up for myself saying, is what you're doing right now generating revenue? So every time I'd look at it, I would have to stop myself and say, okay, is what I'm doing productive? Is it generating revenue? Is is this worth my time? Or right. is it better? You know, if I'm clipping coupons and I've got a deal that's going to make me thousands of dollars, is it really worth my ROI in clipping those coupons to go grocery shopping? Or is it better for me to finish the proposal that's going to get me that $20,000 deal I'm working on, right? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that's a great great way to help you to stay on point and keep your priorities in order. Yeah. And and what about sanguine, am I pronouncing that right, sanguine Sally? Yes. So that, that personality type is the social butterfly, the life of the party. They tend to be very assertive, but they, they don't like details. So they'll tend to procrastinate on things that they don't perceive to be fun, that you know, they're, they're monotonous, there's a lot of steps in the, pro- in, in the project. So they're not really focused on the, the details. Like It's funny that like, people in that personality type tend to gravitate towards like sales jobs or jobs that require them to talk and network and not on like jobs like accounting or something where you really need to be detailed. Right. Analytical owl. So the analytical owl is they tend to gravitate towards some of those accounting jobs. They're really not people. They're not people oriented. They're more process oriented. But they tend to suffer uh, with paralysis by analysis. So they before they move, the tendency is to have all everything spelled out, everything lined up, and. But here's the other thing, too, is deep down they have a fear of criticism. A lot of the analyticals that I've worked with, they have a deep down fear of criticism. So sometimes 
they use the over-organizing as an excuse or reason to justify the fact that they're deep down they're afraid of really putting themselves out there because they make it criticized. And I can hear that in um, the, the type 1, the, the type A personality, because you want it perfect. And you right. also have the analytical Al, and, and he might never get the book written or, or get the spreadsheet done because it's not perfect. Right. Yes, yes. Peacemaker Patricia. So the Peacemaker is very likable. Everybody tends to like them, but they, they want to avoid conflict. And of the four, they, they really crave comfort and structure, and they tend to be motivated externally. They don't really have the internal motivation. So that personality type benefits best from coaching, uh, just having some type of an accountability partner, someone to really hold their feet to the fire, because they, they tend to lack that internal, they're more external motivated, externally motivated. We're speaking with author Eric Twiggs. He's written The Discipline of Now and The Cost of Procrastination on Self-Talk Radio Show. And I love this conversation because I do suffer from, I, I could relate to just about all of those personalities you talked yeah, about. Yeah, so here's, here's what's interesting. Yeah. So most people that I've worked with, they're not just one. They have like a primary and a secondary. Right. So you may have, so there's a little bit of overlap. Like for me, I'm a driver but I've also got the sanguine tendencies where I can be chatty and have, and like, for example, that, that sanguine personality, they, they thrive on recognition. They like to kind of see the name and lights and those types of things. So yeah, there is some overlap. So you have primary and secondary traits. Yeah, definitely. I, I can see that. So how do you pull yourself out of procrastinating? Have you gotten better at identifying, like, oh, man, I'm doing it again? What are yeah. some What are some ways that you pull yourself out of that? Well, again, it's about awareness, and I think the the biggest thing is getting clear. I think clarity is the starting point of success. So, really, getting clear as far as what do you want, and uh, like for example, myself, and I talk about this in the book. I'm big on having to do lists of what what are my priorities that I need to get done. And then ask, kind of what you said earlier, kind of asking myself, how does this activity relate to my ultimate priority? And, and being able to marry the two. Yeah. What I like about your book is that it's not, you don't just read this book, right? Right. It's not cover to cover. It's, it, there, there are activities, so it's more of an interactive, um, self-reflective book, if, if I'm understanding that right. What are some yeah. of the exercises in it that, um, that you like to work with? So, several. So, uh, one of the exercises, it's about uh, getting clear and, and finding your purpose. And I, I talk about writing the letter uh, from yourself in the future. I, I think that that's an exercise that, that's really helped people, where you, you basically you project out, you could be 20 years in the future. And what's your ideal best-case scenario? Where do you see yourself? And then you, you write a letter from yourself. And you, so you'd say, hey, Eric, hey, it's great here 20 years later. I'm a best-selling author. I do this, I do that. But it really helps you to gain clarity on the things that you ultimately want for your life. What's the best way to read your book, then? So the best way to read the book is to not go 
to the next section until you've completed the exercises. Like it's, so in the book, I've got it in certain sections. I say stop, read, and act. So that before you, because I know people like to skip ahead and go to the end or go to the middle. Or <laughs> It's better to just take it and do the exercises and, and really make sure that you're applying the, the areas in the exercises before you go to the next chapter. And don't skimp on it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you write about the four quadrants of procrastination. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so basically, it's, uh, it's where I talk about the creativity matrix, because a lot of times we think that we're getting away with procrastination. I say that procrastination has a hidden cost, because let's say you do, you do a report, and you, do, you present it, and everybody tells you you did a good job, and so you wait until the last minute. And you're saying, wow, you know, hey, I work better under pressure because I waited the last minute and it still went well. Yes, yes. Right. But the problem is it's proven that when you're doing something creative, it's not going to be as good if you don't take the time to prepare because your ideas get a chance to incubate when you really put the time in. I mean, so that's so... I'm going to get into the creativity matrix, but one of the things, one of the advantages of it taking me six years to write the book was that there was sometimes, every now and then, I would learn something new that mm-hmm. I hadn't planned to put in the book. Yeah. And if I, let's say I just waited to the last minute, you know, the deadline was here, and I just, I, I, there would have been a lot of ideas that could have helped people. So the, the basic takeaway from the creativity matrix is that when you plan ahead, you, it's going to be better. So the ideal part of the matrix is when you're at the point where the deadline urgency is low, your creativity is high. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you're not under the gun of the clock. You know, you've got time to, uh, to really let your ideas develop. You know, sometimes when you, you, you step away, like if you're on a writing project, you step away from it. But then when you come back, all these new ideas start coming to you. That happens because you're, you're not necessarily uh, under the gun. So then, so the next quadrant, it's, it's on the lower left, is when the deadline urgency is high and your, uh, create, your creativity is typically low because you're, it's the last minute. You're not being creative. You're just trying to get done. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so then where you have it where the deadline urgency, the next quadrant is where the deadline urgency is high and the creativity is high. Now, in that instance, you, you prepare. So, so you work, you've worked at what you do so much that you can get called on at the last minute and still have it go well. You're right. So the example of that would be like a minister who gets called on at the last minute to deliver a sermon. The reason he can thrive in that quadrant is because he's practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced so many years that it's now a part of him. And that's a good place to be. So whatever you do, if you're taking the time to practice, if you get called on at the last minute, you're prepared. And then when the deadline or the last part of that is the deadline urgency being low and your creativity being low, and those are things you probably really shouldn't be doing anyway. Yeah, you said yes to something that you shouldn't have. How do we coach our children to get through procrastination? 
Well, so a couple, it's a couple of things. Like, for example, when I was in school, I remember I had a uh, report. I talked about this in the book. I had a report that was due, and I was doing well in the class. I waited to the last minute, and my computer just crashed. <laughs> and I figured I was doing well in the class. I would get sympathy from my instructor. No, I, I got no sympathy. And I, and I blamed the computer. But in reality, it was my fault, right? Because if I had started earlier, then I could have overcome a setback. Mm-hmm. I had pl- still had plenty of time. And, and so that, that's something that we need to, to get across to our young people as they're, as they're coming up. And a lot of times when we plan, we, we don't plan for things going wrong, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't plan for worst-case scenario. Right. So, so that, that's just something I think we just need to communicate to our, our kids coming up. And they want it, their grades to improve. The best thing to do is to start early to get prepared for the worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just helping your child get into some better habits. And, right. and it's all a habit, really. Now, you talk about implementing a penalty system. You talked about a, a business owner who valued a good night's sleep, and if he failed to follow through on completing a writing assignment, he penalized himself by waking up an hour earlier until right. he got it done. Can, can you talk more about um, more penalty systems? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. So you, there's, there's, I know of people that they'll say that if they don't meet a certain deadline, they'll donate money to the opposing political party that they support, you know, <laughs> the, the party that, you know, so if they're a Democrat, they'll donate money to the Republicans or vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. For some yeah. people, that is quite a motivation. <laughs> right. So, you know, there's no way I'm doing that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but it's all about awareness and, or you, you, Put your money like there's a there's a website that's called uh, stickk.com. Oh, I gotta check that out. And you could actually commit. So, like, let's say if you're working on a book, you could say, "Hey, I'll have this book done by this day here." And you can actually, you know, put your money where your mouth is and say, "If I don't finish, you know, I'll pay X and X money." And it goes to here. So there's a lot of different ways you could you can really add pain to what you're doing. Yeah. Now, you also mentioned something that I, I found was really interesting about making your goal public. Yes. I, I'm i afraid of doing that because it's like, well, what if what if it doesn't come together? Or what if I don't hit the financial goal that I'm thinking of? At least it's just me that has to face the music and not, you know, my public. What, what's your take on all that? Well, I, I'm a huge fan of making the goal public. Like, for me, it really motivates me. It, it, it puts an additional layer of pressure for me to do what I say I'm going to do. Mm. So, for example, like last year, I ran my first marathon. Oh, cool. And I purposely told people. Like, when I, when I first started, when I first got the idea that this is something I wanted to do, I purposely told people because I knew they were going to be asked, hey, Eric, how's your training coming? Yep. Hey, Eric, you know, I want to I stop by... With the date of the marathon, I'm going to stop by and get the finish line. So that put the pressure on me to keep training and not find a reason not to do it. So I'm a huge fan of providing public consequences. Yeah. You also talked about um, staying focused when the journey is uncomfortable. You talked about an eye exam. 
Can can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, so that was when uh, the, the, the takeaway there was that procrastination can really cost you your vision. Yeah. Um, but so, like, my wife is, is like my ultimate accountability partner. And she kept, she would say, Eric, hey, did you make that eye appointment? And I would try to put it off. I said, no, no, Eric, you need to go to the eye doctor. And when I went, I found out that I had had a detached retina. Oof. I, I, I didn't experience any symptoms. I mean, I thought my eyes were fine. But years ago, I did martial arts. And apparently, something had happened in one of my tournaments. I had, I had a detached retina. Uh, but I, if, if it wasn't for my wife holding me accountable, who knows? I, I may, it may have gotten a whole lot worse before I went to the doctor. Yeah, definitely. And and she is your ultimate accountability partner, but could that actually waver into her becoming your nag? <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I just need to put it out there because I'm the accountability partner for my sweetheart. And he's like, stop nagging me. And then I feel like, well, if I don't, then it doesn't get done. And then, well, you know, watch the fireworks ensue, right? You know, I hate to admit this, but if, if it escalates to the point of nagging, it's probably because I've delayed delayed it to a point. Right. I, I hate to admit that. It's painful, and I hope my <laughs> wife is listening to this. But, <laughs> but, but if it escalates to a nag, I mean, because I, I have people I work with, it, it, usually if I'm nagging them, that means I'm telling them the same thing more than one time. Right. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a, a battle I go through is how do I shift from being the nag, whether it's for my kids or whether it's my, my partner, how do I shift from that to being more helpful, more constructive, more, but then I find when I'm constructive and helpful, it's really not taken seriously until I get to, you know, hey, chop, chop, let's get this done. I think it's all about the result. Yeah. And I think if the nagging is what it takes for someone to make a doctor's appointment that could potentially save their life. So, like, I mean, like, I, um, at, at my church, there's a man that told a story about he had a doctor's appointment. It's just a routine exam, and he was about to cancel it. But something told him, no, nah, you better go. And he was going through his routine exam, and the doctor started, like, checking his heart. And then all of a sudden, left the room, came back, said, oh, we've got to get you to the hospital. You're, you're actually having a heart attack right now. Mm. And he said, you know, he would not be with us had he put, if he had put off his appointment like he was thinking. So I, that's, I'm saying that to say I think if there's value in really if you're coaching someone, if you're their accountability partner, if you're their spouse, I mean, I, I think that result can be very important. You've coached over 28,000 people? Well, I've had over 28,000 coaching sessions. Wow. That's incredible. And do you have any stories that you like to share? I mean, obviously don't share names or anything, but is is there a story that sticks with you where you're like, oh my gosh, this person is never going <laughs> to get it together, and then they just blow the doors off and have a, a revelation? Anything like that? Yeah, so I had this, and I talk about this in the book, and where, I, where I'm talking about your attitude and how your mindset, like most people that are stuck, 80% of the time I would say it's a mindset issue. So I had this client, he was stuck, and he, was, he and I would talk, 
and he would always tell me what was wrong and everything that was going badly. And I, finally I said, look, you have to tell me. Every, every time we talk, you have to tell me something that you're grateful for. And so before we would conclude our session, so I'd say, so, what are you grateful for? And at first it was hard. He, he would struggle to come up with things. But then after a while, it was more things and more things and more things and more things. And coincidentally enough, his business started to improve. And his whole outlook started to improve. And it, would, it got to a point where I stopped asking him that question. And he would, he would start asking, Eric, you didn't ask me what I'm grateful for today. So that, that's something that really stood out, just something as simple. Because sometimes you hear certain things and it sounds like it's a cliche. Yeah. But it really does work. If you operate in gratitude, it really can change, change how you focus. And, and just being grateful could be something that helps you to not procrastinate. Well, yeah, and, and also belief in yourself. I, there's a story in, um, oh gosh, why I'm, think, think and Grow Rich where he tells about the salesman who was feeling washed up. And so he gave the salesman a whole bunch of names. He says, these are leads, go get them. And the guy called him because he assumed that these were leads. And he goes, oh, this was a great list. You know, I, I got all kinds of appointments. Give me more of those. And so the secretary kind of looked sheepishly. and She said, I just pulled them out of the phone book. They, right. you know, We didn't cold call them. The, these were, you thought they were warm leads and they right. weren't. You know, so right. the, the belief is, is definitely there. Uh, thank you for being on the show. The book is The Discipline of Now. I highly recommend it. Um, and your website is awesome. I love your blog, Eric. Thank you. It just has so much great information there. So I will put a link to the blog. It's Eric M. Twigs with two G's dot com. And uh, the book, can we get it on Amazon or? Yes, you can get it on Amazon.com. It's in both paperback and it's... Um, in Kindle format as well. Great. Uh, and actually, stay tuned. It, it's also coming out in audio Oh, nice. to four weeks. So that, stay tuned for that. Okay. Again, you can get it on Amazon. You can also get it on my website at, Eric, at Eric M, uh, www.ericmtwigs.com. And we'll have links to all of this stuff on our website, selftalkradioshow.com. Eric, I am so grateful. Thank you for being on the show. Hey, Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. (laughs) I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show. If you'd like to see our guest offerings, find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Alexa. You can join us for the conversation on Facebook and see our guest offerings on selftalkradioshow.com. 